everybody, and welcome to the Backseat Directors Podcast. I am Andre Hutchins, the creator and host of this movie review podcast, and it is so good to have all of you joining me today. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode. This is episode 30 and one that I am so very excited about. Because today's episode, it is an exclusive sit-down interview with film writer and director Cameron Sawyer. Cameron had his first feature film debut in theaters this year, Tim Timmerman, Hope of America. Tim Timmerman was just recently made available for digital streaming on VidAngel and will be available very soon on Amazon Prime. It will also be coming to home video this Christmas. It was such a pleasure to talk to Cameron about his latest movie, among so many other things. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did, and be sure to check out the show notes with all the links to find out how to follow Cameron online and to check out his work in the film industry. So because Cameron and I will be discussing some of his other work and some new projects that he is working on, I will give the movie details for Tim Timmerman, Hope of America, once we get to that point in the interview. So until then, enjoy the interview. All right, man. Okay. Let's um, do this. Yeah, well, well, dude, thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. I, I had I had no idea you were going to be in Utah. Check, check. Yeah, well, yeah, so I'm here. Uh, I came out here to promote the film. Right. And then, where was I? Just recently? Like, you came no, back? No, this is last March. So, right. the film came out right around the time that you started your podcast. Right, so. right. Uh, and then, I've just been out here uh, working with a writing partner. We're developing a web... Or sorry, we're developing a series that we're pitching to Netflix in a few weeks. Okay, so this this is something that I did want to ask you about, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if this is something like you're like not allowed to talk about yet. Oh, or, I can talk or, about it. Is okay. this recording, by the way? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. We're, we're on we're air. Good. Yeah, we're good, man. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> nice. Do you edit this later or is it live? Yeah, it no, I, I just, I do a lot of editing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, not a lot. I mean, you know, just here and mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. Good. Wait, wait. So, is your is your writing par- partner is that Justin Copier? So, because he he was a, a yes. co writer on Tim. Timmerman. He's a co writer on Tim Timmerman, and he's really talented writer. And he's someone that we'll bring on board if we get this show picked up. But, oh, okay. But he's got a family, and okay, and he's really busy right now with yeah. a, a full time job, yeah, like another gig, yeah. So my my writing partner is Christian Busafe. Okay. He is, he's the big security guy, guard in Tim Timmerman. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my writing partner on this project, on nice. Juvie, it's a, nice. it's an original series that we're pitching to Netflix. Okay. And we've- Juvie been, as in juvenile? Mm-hmm. Okay. Juvenile delinquency. Yeah. Okay. So it's, we're having a lot of fun with it and we've got some producers at Paramount that will be pitching it. Really? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're going to pitch that soon, and we just shot a concept video for nice. it. Nice. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. And uh, it's looking good, man. So when when would the, if all goes according to plan, mm-hmm. I hope it does. Yeah. Um, when would we, like, see maybe, like, the first sneak peek at, like, this? At that, at, at the at new Juvie. thing? yeah. If all goes well... Uh, let's see, like if they picked it up, they ordered shows right away and we started producing it. Um, it would probably come out this time next year. Okay. Nice. Series. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I want, I want to get to know you a little bit mm-hmm. and obviously the listeners who are listening to the podcast, I want them to get to know you. Yeah. Um, just because I, I have known 
I've I've known about you and I've known okay. your work on some previous stuff. Okay. We'll get into that. Okay. Yeah. And so I've been I've been a very big fan. Oh, so, good. And this was Thank before you. Tim Timmerman. <laughs> so, so, um, okay. I you you are from Utah, right? Yes. So I grew up in Orem, Utah. Were, are you were you born here, or did you get your family? I was moved born here? in Provo. I was actually the first baby ultrasounded in the Provo Hospital. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of uh, my claim to fame. I, I, I'm sure there have been. Mer- like many babies since then, ultrasounded. Oh, countless. Yeah. Countless. We're in the mecca of, <laughs> I, yeah, of exactly. births and pregnancies. Birth, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like historical, I guess. So you went to... Uh, went to so, Orem High. Okay. So, so my wife, my wife was... Uh, she was born in... Um, oh gosh, she is gonna be mad. <laughs> oh yeah, I think uh, I think Ogden. I'm pretty sure it's Ogden. Okay, but she so and they moved around a little bit, like Ogden, then Syracuse, and Salt Lake, and then Orem. Mm-hmm. And she was she grew up most of her life in Orem, so she went to Orem High. But all of her siblings went to Orem High too, and oh. she's the youngest of seven. So I'm oh, there's probably Smith what's her maiden name? Uh, Thomas. It's Thomas. Thomas so uh, Thomas, Thomas. her oldest brother, his name is uh, Jonathan, and he is forty forty one. And so, and then is all, he tall and skinny? They're all under. I Jonathan Thomas. I think they're all under six feet. There's a guy I went to high school with that I thought had that name. That was in my uh, mission. Oh, okay. Later on. I don't know. Where'd you serve a mission? I went to Canada, Winnipeg. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, anyway, but I don't think that. I think it was somebody else. Yeah, hmm. I think it's somebody else. Well, um, yeah. So I, <laughs> I've. I went to BYU, and uh-huh. you went to BYU yes. too, right? Uh-huh. Yes, a fellow alum. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I I didn't grow up in Utah. I'm not from Utah. I grew up in Nevada. Oh, okay. And I, after when I went to BYU, mm-hmm. I never thought I was going to stay. Yeah, so I, I always viewed Utah as like this is where I'm going to go to school oh. and then I'm leaving. Oh, okay. Well, so you're one that has been converted to the Beehive State. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. So I did move away. So I graduated, move away, moved away, and then came back, mm-hmm. met my wife. Oh, okay. and uh, yeah, ever since we've been married, we've been living in in Provo. Yeah. Um, but she's been taking me like Orm High football games. Oh, nice. Yeah, so nice, like, I'm, nice. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm really well, love, love the place. You know, the thing <laughs> is, is honestly, I mean, I've, I've now lived in a lot of different places and you can't beat Utah. It's, I'm serious. Like it is, the standard of living in Utah is exceptionally high. Yeah. It's, yeah. and I can go, I can give you a list of reasons why that is, but I, and I'm not here to argue because I actually agree. <laughs> yeah. I love Utah. I love it. But other, I love other places too. Like yeah. I, I lived in New York last year and it's, that's probably the coolest place I've ever lived. Oh, nice. Nice. But, um, what part of New York? Uh, Manhattan. Okay. Area. Yeah. Midtown. Yeah. Manhattan. But, uh, yeah, but Utah is just, it's hard to beat for many different reasons. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, I think a lot of the knocks that Utah gets is mm-hmm. one, it's too cold. People say like through the winter, but yeah. I, I don't think it's too cold. I actually, I like you like it. And I, I read on IMDb that you were, you were part of the Sundance, Sundance ski, ski team. team. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so then I'm assuming you're a fan of the winter too, right? Uh, I, I like skiing, you know, I like uh, the snow when it first starts to fall, okay. but I, okay. I'm one of those people in January, uh, February that starts to really, it starts to, Weigh on me a little bit. March. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, just uh, needless to say, I'm mm-hmm. not from Utah, but I'm a huge Utah fan. That's so awesome. there is no bias with me. Oh, I good, have learned good. to love Utah and I, I really do love it here. Yeah, it's a great place. It's cool. Okay. So tell me more though. Tell me how, how your, you know, before your career, before mm-hmm. you started writing and directing, what, what was your path? 
and what, yeah. I guess, what started to kind of gain your interest and how did that kind of happen in, in filmmaking and things yeah. like that? Yeah, well, gosh, man, I, I really hope I can just concisely explain this. <laughs> but, <Okay>. like, <laughs> I guess, um, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is that film is what interests me more than anything. Okay. Was there, yeah. oh, was other, there than, other than faith, maybe other than religion, religion oh. and film are probably the two biggest things okay. that influence me. Was there a certain point in your life though, where you mm-hmm. were like, I know what I want to do with the rest of my yeah. life. Well, what's crazy about it is so when I was in high school, I did a lot of acting uh-huh. and I've always, I don't know. I was always the one that made wisecracks in school and just didn't take things seriously. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I liked entertaining. I always got a kick out of like, entertaining people. Okay. And I thought, you know, I want to get into the arts. I just feel like that's part of my persona. Right. And I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about <laughs> painting. I don't know anything about singing or whatever, you know? So, yeah. um, but film I was kind of obsessed with as really? a kid. Yeah. Okay. Especially like, I mean, when I was younger, like Monty Python and oh, nice. like Weird Al nice. Yankovic videos and anything, <laughs> oh, nice. anything sort of comedic and yeah. comedic. Really, and yeah. my friends and I would just, we'd make little movies, you know? And so is this like, is this high school? This days? is junior like, high, high school. Oh, so, so, okay. So we're yeah. talking like 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Junior high, okay. high school. And then in high school, I was like, you know, I'm going to be an actor. Okay. And then, and so I, I acted in like some, I don't know, regional stuff and like yeah. an episode of touched by an angel or yeah. whatever, and whatever <laughs> the show was that was yeah. uh, filming yeah. out here. And started to go visit sets and I was like, this feels like home to me. Like I remember I visit, I was a body double on the show, um, Independence Day. No way. Yeah. I remember really? Independence Day out yeah, in the, the desert and everything. Of course. Yeah. So like, you know, I talked to, uh, Jeff Goldblum and some of the, you know, and I talked nice. to them, I talked to a lot of actors and filmmakers about what it's like being in that industry. Okay. And I always just sort of thought, man, like to me, becoming a filmmaker is almost like be being an astronaut or something. Like when yeah. you're a kid, it's like it's like the greatest thing you could ever imagine. Yeah. And as I got older, I was like, wait a minute, I could actually do this <laughs> if I really like put my shoulders down and, yeah. and did it, you know? So I started at BYU as a film major. Okay. And the kids were just weird as crap. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they were so weird. Like they they were the only kids at BYU with colored hair and dog chains. You know? okay. okay. And they were just so weird, man. They like lived off of like cereal all day. Like just like weird kids, you know, yeah. like okay. just strange people. And I just didn't feel like I belonged. And I was like, you know, it's funny because in the back of my head, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to graduate film school anyway. Yeah. Why am I even doing this for undergrad? Okay. Then I went on my mission came back and I was like, film is just irresponsible. I'm going to lose my testimony and I'm going to be poor the rest of my life. <laughs> and I'll have you know, I'm still poor, <laughs> but, but I haven't lost my testimony yet. Um, so I kind of pushed it away and, you know, I tried to go into business and do that sort of thing. And when I was 29, I couldn't take it any longer. I was like, you know what? I cannot take this. Huh. I'm supposed to go to graduate film school and I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I just quit my job. I went to Los Angeles. I went to a film school called Chapman. Okay. Which is where the guys that did Stranger Things went, oh, nice. to, went to school. So nice. they were they cool. were a couple years ahead of me. They were undergrads yeah. in the program. And um, yeah, I went to school there and I realized these were my people. 
Do you know what I mean? Like I, I re, I was finally at home. Like I, everyone at film school had the same passion that I had for film. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, this is where I'm, this is where I belong. So it was very different than your experience at BYU as a film major. Yeah. Okay. I was older and I had more life experience. Okay. And yeah, and everyone took it a little bit more seriously at right. BYU. It was just sort of like a hobby and just the weird right. kids were doing it. You know. Right. What's ironic is that all kids want to do it now. <laughs> do you know what i mean like yeah. it was it used to be the career that like everyone shunned right you know moved away from right but now like everyone's like oh wait a minute there's value in filmmaking yeah even businesses yeah like you cannot get away from it right you know so so now i realized that it was i should have listened to my gut and just a long time ago just committed to it and said forget it you know so was there was there a certain you know, because I mean, just from what you were explaining, you got started pretty young, mm-hmm. just in your interest. Well, I got started you young, know. and then I gave up for a little bit, and right. then I, I'm all in. Now. Was there was there a certain movie or or perhaps a TV show or something mm-hmm. where you felt inspired? Where you were like, because you mentioned Monty Python. Was, yeah. was there something? Was there some? Was well, it Monty Python? Was there something else where you're like, so Holy I was, cow, I love this. You and know, I want to do this. So I was an early adopter of Seinfeld. Okay. It's kind of my my hipster, you know, art, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bragging. I'd like to you know? before everybody yeah, like yeah, it. yeah, it's yeah. my hipster situation because yeah. <laughs> I I have a journal entry from 1992 that I was just like Seinfeld's the only show on TV. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? I don't even think Jerry Seinfeld's that funny. Like his stand-up, I just don't find it that which, funny. Which I think makes the show even better. <laughs> yeah, but the but the show's great. Yeah, I really enjoyed the show and. Um, I remember skipping school and going to the Shawshank Redemption oh, in the theaters. Okay, which is not comedic, but I just remember no. thinking, "This is filmmaking. This is where it's at." You know. Yeah. And let's see. I mean, I don't know. I was inspired by all kinds of movies growing up, like Back to the Future, Forrest Gump. Nice. Like yeah. you know, and, yeah. and all these different. I was just a fan of movies. Anything that Steven Spielberg did, just oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and then as I got into college, I really liked Wes Anderson. I really liked the Coen Brothers. Yeah, and though they've really inspired me. Yeah. Um, well, well Wes, Wes Wes Anderson is my wife's favorite director. Yeah, so she, she is. She he, loves yeah. all all his films. He's yeah. great. Yeah, he's great. I'm getting a little tired of. He's very stylistic. Very, very. And I'm yeah. getting a little tired of it. You know. Mm. Um, I used to think that's the kind of director I wanted to be is a stylistic. Oh, okay. Director because. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, yeah, with film, you can you can be super stylized, mm-hmm. but it, it's a lot of work, and sometimes I don't know if it's worth it. Like, it's probably better to work, focus on the story and making things real. I don't know. It's hard. So, hard to explain. And and this is from my very amateurish okay background. You know, my biology mm-hmm. background of BYU, okay, which sure, is going to sure. really help me in this <laughs> area of of you know my sure. knowledge of films, but. Um, you know, just as a movie fan, mm-hmm. the, the one thing that I always look for and the one thing that I am most interested in yeah. when I go to the movies is a story. You mm-hmm. know, if I were to list the things that I care most about to see in a film, yeah. a story is going to trump everything for mm-hmm. me. But that, again, that's me, yeah. you know, and everybody's, everybody's movie preferences are so different. Yeah. You know? I'm a, I'm a lot, I'm with you. So if a, a movie sucks me in and I get wrapped up in it and it's believable, it's, I really enjoy that, but mm-hmm. I also like stylistic, really funny movies, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, even like the naked gun or something yeah. like it's just, <laughs> yeah. they're just really fun to watch, right. you know, because they focus so much on the, 
the uh, jokes and, okay, ha- and so, the hammy. Yeah. Well, th- I think this is leading perfectly into what I uh, probably, you know, as much as excited as I am to talk about Tim Timmerman. Yeah. I am very excited to talk about She's a Fox. So, uh, okay. <laughs> so okay. yes, I think this is a perfect segue because, yes. you know, just about, you know, talking about story, but mm-hmm. also having, you know, that comedy aspect. Sure. Um, tell me about She's a Fox. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Where did the idea come from? Yeah. How did it, you know, go from, I guess, from your head to actually becoming a film, an mm-hmm. award-winning film too? Yeah. So <clears throat> in film school, everybody has to do a thesis film. Everyone in the directing program. So this was in school in California? In California okay. at Chapman. Okay. And I wanted to do... So So my thesis advisor was David Ward. Okay. He is an Academy Award winning writer. He wrote The Sting. Oh, nice. And he wrote and directed all the major league baseball movies. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he, he co-wrote oh. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, really? So yeah, he's, he's really great. Yeah. He's a great yeah. filmmaker. And he, it's funny. It's, well, okay. Sorry. I'm just like thinking through how it all went down. But he suggested to all of us that we, we do our thesis film about something that's really like close to our hearts. Yeah. And the reason why is because when you're a young filmmaker, you might have good taste, but your execution is not very good. Mm -hmm. So if you can write something that's close to your heart, even if you can't execute on it super well, it, it'll probably come off a little bit better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's really it's like Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, honestly, like Napoleon Dynamite is is a genius movie. <laughs> and it's probably because it he knew so much about Idaho and he was yeah. so, you know, and he's a good filmmaker, but it's clear that that movie really touched a chord because he was writing about things that were close to his right. heart and that he right. knew about. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Growing up in Idaho. So I thought about what I wanted to, to do and, you know, I've just had a string of bad relationships my whole life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it all started in the fifth grade with my first relationship and thinking back on that relationship, I, was, I just think it's so funny that I took it so seriously. And about that time in film school, I saw a short film called Les Mis Stones by, um, by uh, it's he's a French director Francois Truffaut. Okay, have you heard of this movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, Francois Truffaut is like one of the greatest French filmmakers ever. He did okay. the Four Hundred Blows, which is about this little boy that is always getting into trouble and um, and runs away from home. Uh, he did Jules and Jim. It's like a it's a the French New Wave is what inspired Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. So you should go and watch some of those yeah. movies if you haven't, but they're amazing. It's the 50s, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, he did this short film called Les Mis Stones about it's voiceover narrated, and it's an adult talking about when he was a kid and like having a crush on this older girl okay. in, <laughs> in this French uh, city. And, and how this girl's boyfriend died in the war, you huh. know? So it's really, like, poignant, but it's also really funny because they're, like, they're following her around and they're, like, trying to break up her relationship with this guy she's playing tennis with. Right. You know, it's really funny. Right. And I thought, you know, I could create something that has that feel um, that is my own experience from, like, the fifth grade, basically. Right. And I told my thesis advisor about it and he thought, 
thought it was going to be a hard sell because he was like, no one's going to take a kid's love story seriously, you know? And I told him, I said, the narrator takes it seriously. Right. But it's super ridiculous. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, later on, movies of, like, recently, um, Moonrise Kingdom came out, mm-hmm. which came out after She's a Fox. But it it has the same sort of strategy as far as how it's executed. Mm-hmm. It's it's kids taking things really seriously, but nothing really serious even happens in that show. Right? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I just watched that movie recently, and did you? And it was it was an excellent film. It's really great. But yeah, and it's the, you know, those same elements within your story of she's a fox. Yeah. Is within it's the adolescent love. Adolescent love that, that is very important to them and at real the time to them. But it's not going adults, anywhere. Yeah. As adults, like you would view it as, you know, this is mm-hmm. not serious. This isn't real. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also the, the other reason why I thought it might work is that even though it's a kid's love story, it reminds us of our own experiences in adulthood. We never right. really kick those bad habits. Right. We kick the, we never really have love figured out. Right. Right. So I made the movie. I was actually, I wasn't going to make it actually. I was going to do a different movie and then, I had some people say, you really need to do this, you know, so made the movie. We did an open casting call um, and in Los Angeles, we weren't paying the actors. Oh, oh, really? Sorry. One other thing. Um, there's so many, there's so many elements to this. Tell story. me, tell me. So another reason why I, I decided to do it is because I wanted to do a movie that had the main actor as, as kid or kids as the main actors. Right, right. And the reason why is because in film school, you have to get actors for free oh, okay and so if you're using adults they're they're they've never made it do you know <laughs> right, what i mean and they right. haven't made it for a reason they're right. not good actors right and so it's just bad acting the whole time you're in film school and i was like you know i really want to find some kids that that have, have that a, have potential that potential yeah so we did an open casting call and we got these amazing little actors and one actor that we got in particular was Haley steinfeld right Right. And I remember her mom telling me that she was like on the verge of giving up. Really? Yeah. She'd, really? she'd only done a couple of commercials. They'd been at it for three or four years. And she took it seriously. In fact, her and the lead actor were in the same acting class in Los Angeles, which is kind of ironic. Um and so that would be. So they knew each other. That would be. Um, I, that would be Jake Nutty. Jake Nutty, yeah, mm-hmm. and he played Cameron. Sawyer yeah, he played the, me, right, I guess, right, in the right. show. <laughs> and then, um, and Haley, they had been in the same acting class, and they'd both been at it for a few years, you know. Okay. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the more you study anything, the better you get at it, including acting. Uh-huh. People think you're either just an actor or you're a filmmaker or whatever. You have to put a certain number of hours in, you know. Right. So they'd put in the work and it just wasn't paying off, you know, and we'd go up to their house in um, Thousand Oaks and we'd have rehearsals and we'd talk about how tough the industry is and all this stuff. She was going to give up, you know. How old was she at the time? She was 13. Okay. And it's six months after we made the movie, but it had already been on the festival circuit and doing well and mm-hmm. doing, you know, I got a call from... Uh, her mom, Sherry, and she's like, Cameron, just want to say thanks for believing in my kid. She just landed the lead role in the Coen Brothers next movie. And I was like, no. Oh, for True Grit. Yeah, I was like, oh, "Oh, that's cute. Yeah, like, I'm sure she got a line. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Like, to have a line in a Coen Brothers movie. Right. Anyway, I called her back, and when she told me, 
it was True Grit because I was familiar with that movie. It's a John Wayne movie. You you realized I then. knew who she was, <laughs> and I was like, I almost dropped the phone. I almost dropped the phone because I knew at that moment she would be a star. And um, sure enough, she's a huge star, and she's going to be an even bigger star because she's in a Transformers, the next Transformers movie. Is she really? So she's in the Bumblebee. Nice. Uh, they're, okay. They're, uh, Bumblebee, which is like that yellow right. It's bug. the yeah the yeah, yeah the the sh- uh, the Chevy Camaro. Yeah, they're doing yeah, a spinoff, yeah. and she's the lead in that. So, so so the first time I saw Haley Steinfeld was in True Grit. That's mm-hmm. the first time I remember seeing her, and I was blown away. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm I am more impressed from the acting performance of kids mm-hmm. than than I am. Oh, sometimes really? With adults. Interesting. Just be, when, I I just feel like it when when a kid has such an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it blows me away that kids can do stuff like this. Yeah. You know, I, I am so impressed and, and, and true grit. Mm-hmm. My goodness. She was perfect for that movie. She's she really great. was. Yeah. And so, um, and so that was the first time I saw her. And then I, I, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw she's a Fox. Cause I saw mm-hmm. it on YouTube Yeah, and it was on your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, it was in a time where I was just YouTube obsessed and spent way too many hours on right. YouTube. But, um, um, I saw she's a fox, and then and then I noticed I'm like, holy cow, that is the girl from True Grit. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but yeah, she. So, would you say that her experience though on She's a Fox was was a positive one for her that she continued or like she stayed motivated to keep going? Or? Um, I probably yeah yeah I don't know I'm not sure huh. I don't okay. know I just know the story. Is is just a few months after we got we wrapped. Right. She went and auditioned, and she yeah. took it very seriously. So her mom told me about it. They um, they actually made her a dress, like an old like oh, western no dress. <laughs> yeah, they made her dress, put her in pigtails, and she got the sides and went into her room, locked herself in a room for like three hours, and just had that down cold. Gosh. You know what I mean? And that's incredible. they knew that there was an opportunity. It was see, a huge that's, casting that's, call. And yeah, that's what I mean, you know, for being 13 or 14 mm-hmm. or however old you are. I didn't take life seriously. I didn't take no. school seriously. I didn't take anything seriously when I was 14 well, years a, old. She was know? a pretty serious girl. Like, yeah. I remember, like, when we would uh, rehearse and stuff, she took it very, very seriously. And she's one of those rare actors where they never have a bad take. Mm. That's rare. Yeah. I, and. It's great as a director because you can get a lot more coverage. Right. So if someone just hits their lines, you can just move to the next setup because you know you have yeah. it. But if they didn't quite do it right, you do it three or four more times just to make sure in the editing you can piece it all together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But with her, we never did more than two two takes. We move on. So True Grit was my favorite movie of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had seen her in, uh, I know she played in Pitch Perfect. I yeah. think it was the second Pitch Perfect. Mm-hmm. And she was good in that, but she didn't have mm-hmm. a, kind of that lead role. Yeah. She has a song in that. She does. Too. Yeah. And yeah. And I, re- I, and I just recently I found out she, she she's has her own album. Yeah. She's a singer, man. Yeah. She's a rising, well, she's a star, but she's, yeah, she's got good stuff going on. Well, so True Grit was my favorite movie up mm-hmm. until I saw um, The Edge of Seventeen. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Have you so seen it? So I'm embarrassed. That? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on my list. Got to watch it. Yeah, yeah. You got to watch it. Especially, I mean, you know, you having worked with her. And, yeah. You know, I need to see it. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's, it is, it's really good. It's yeah. really good. And I think, I you know, for kind of, um, 
you know, the, the same genre as mm-hmm. she's a Fox and even Tim Timmerman. I think, I think it'll definitely resonate with Oh, you. I'm it's sure good. I'll love it. It's yeah. Good. I've yeah, heard really good, good things about it. So, okay. So yeah, for our listeners and I'm going to make sure our listeners know how to get a hold of true Fox on YouTube. Oh, or, she's, or a she, Fox. she's a Fox. Have uh, them go to YouTube. Vimeo. Is it on Vimeo? It's, it's, okay. yeah, it's split up into two videos on YouTube. Right. But on it's, Vimeo, it's one video and I think that the music we use is like legit, you know, on, on is, Vimeo. It, is it different? It on might be Vimeo? different on YouTube. I think, okay. don't quote me, but I think the music's better on Vimeo. Okay. I'll, Every, I'll, it's a better viewing experience on Vimeo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've only ever seen it on YouTube, yeah. but are you, is there any other way to access it? Are you guys going to like sell the, so sell I, on a DVD? I mean, I, like I, I printed 500 DVDs. <laughs> oh really? And we've given out like, 350 i think okay. we have like 150 left somewhere in a ba- basement somewhere i don't know okay well i'm, I'm asking so you I'll, right now i'll see if, if you, i can get one if you have you. you know one or two extra yeah. copies let me know because I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll see if i can dig one up for you i think we will i think i have one at home yeah she's a fox is it's a fantastic short film uh, and, and yeah i'll make sure to have the and vimeo the, the dvd has director commentary and actor commentary okay, so the kids well, nice, talk about the nice. making of the movie yeah, yeah yeah and you know for anyone who you know who knows Haley steinfeld knows her work you know I'll, I'll make sure that people know how to get a hold of that because nice. honestly that that is it, it is such a fantastic film mm-hmm. i've watched it probably a dozen times oh that's at cool least, thank at you least. yeah it's just it it's, came together it it like honestly like not everything comes together but that i i personally like that and i don't yeah. really like very much of what i make you know well it, there's <laughs> just it, it, it kind of takes place. Is it late eighties? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that kind of the era? Yeah. It's late eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so, I mean, I was born in 84, so I, I mean, I guess I can kind of claim I'm an eighties child, but yeah. it was like 89, 90, 91, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm it, it, at least for my childhood experience where like, those are like a lot of really fond memories. And like, yeah. and so there's just, yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia, at least in within that movie for me. And mm-hmm. yeah, just like you were saying, like, I know what it's like to have that adolescent. Yeah, the <laughs> your love. First, yeah. Your first, like, elementary school love and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, great film. Backseat Directors presents this week's movie. Okay, everyone, we're just going to take a quick break from the interview with Cameron as I give you the movie details for Tim Timmerman, Hope of America. Movie details. Part of Utah in the 1990s, an irresponsible high school student body president, Tim Timmerman faces impeachment as he attempts to sweet-talk his way into Yale. Tim is in for a wild senior year and an unexpected romance with a very unsuspecting person. Tim Timmerman was released in U.S. theaters on March 3, 2017. That has a running time of 1 hour and 34 minutes, and it is rated PG-13 for brief drug content and suggestive material. Um, so listeners, this is one of the lightest PG-13 movies I've ever seen. So if you're concerned with your children, you know, possibly viewing this movie, I, I honestly don't think there's, you know, (laughs) really anything to worry about in this movie. So Tim Timmerman, Hope of America stars Eddie Perino as Tim Timmerman, Chelsea Madoff as Cindy Anderson, Andrew Caldwell as Garrett Stubbs, and Seth Merriweather as Brandon Schlierman. Also, Stephanie Drapeau plays the ever-flirtatious 
Miss Monica Murphy. So Eddie Perino, he has his name to many appearances on numerous television shows, um, but most notably uh, the Disney Channel Lab Rats, Pretty Little Liars, NCIS Los Angeles, and also Fresh Off the Boat. Tim Timmerman, Hope of America is directed by, <laughs> surprise, surprise, Cameron Sawyer. And uh, so yes, as already stated in our interview, um, this is Cameron's first feature film. And as also previously discussed in our interview, he wrote and directed the short film, She's a Fox, starring Haley Steinfeld. All right, listeners, be sure to check out all the show notes for today's episode. And you can do that if you're listening on an Apple device by just tapping the screen and it'll bring up the show notes. Uh, while you have uh, you know, the podcast pulled up. Or if you're listening on the Podbean app, just swipe over to the right. Um, otherwise, if you guys are having trouble finding the show notes, just send me a message and I'll let you guys know how. Um, you'll find a link to view Cameron's short film, She's a Fox, and also a link to VidAngel to find out how you can see Tim Timmerman, Hope of America. Okay, listeners, we're going to get back to this interview. But before we do, I just want to give just a little bit of warning for any of you who have not seen this movie. Uh, that we will discuss some spoilers. They're not huge reveals or anything like that, but we do get into this movie um, and talk certain aspects about characters and scenes and things like that. So uh, uh, just, yeah, just a heads up. There will be some minor spoilers. All right. So uh, yeah, let's get back to this interview. Backseat Directors Movie Review. Okay. So now let's talk about, so that was, that was a, what, a, 25 minute movie 20 minute movie 20 minute movie yeah so but now you have a full length feature Mm -hmm. film so and and this is uh tim timmerman hope of america yes and this debuted back in march Mm -hmm. um and it is it's available right now um, on on angel digital streaming Mm -hmm. on vid angel yeah but it's going to get released soon right on on amazon okay and dvd okay yeah so um and so yeah so that this is one of the reasons why i kind of wanted to time this Mm -hmm. this interview around this time once so you know, for anyone who's interested in uh, um, seeing the movie, yeah. and, you know, possibly even buying the movie because mm-hmm. I think it's worth buying. And I just cool. watched it recently on VidAngel. Nice. Um, I, I did not have a chance to see it in theaters, which I'm oh, super okay. bummed about because I would have loved to have seen it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, okay, so let's just start out on mm-hmm. where the idea of Tim Timmerman came, came from, from. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, kind of how that ball got rolling. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, as a filmmaker coming out of film school, the the big hurdle to get over is to make a feature film. Right. It's like what everyone wants to do. Right. And so I, I had a lot of success with the short film. It was doing well, and then Haley blew up, and then it did even better, you know? Yeah. So I took that success and sort of um, rolled it into raising money to make a feature film. Okay. And I wanted... I've. I've had this idea for a long time to do a film based on my experiences as the worst student body president in high school history, which is what I was when I was in school. <laughs> so, yeah. So you were a student body. I president. was, and I was okay. horrible. I was worse than the president you see in that movie. actually. <laughs> so, and they, they wanted to impeach me the entire time I was president. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, this is so funny. Now. Yeah. So again, I wanted to, I wanted to do a movie that was based closely on my experiences so that, there was some element of truth to it or some, you know. That so kind of the same inspiration that you took for She's a Fox. Right. With making something that's close to you, mm-hmm. personal experiences. Yeah. And, then, and now with Tim Timmerman. Yeah, okay. exactly. So uh, we raised the money and then we filmed here in Utah. 
And right. we, we cast super close locations too. A lot yeah. of close locations around here. Yeah. And I was, I was not the smartest about that movie. And the, what I mean by that is the producers really wanted us to get name actors and uh-huh. really wanted us to spend time trying to get people, you know, and I just hate the idea of like getting people just to get them. Yeah. I wanted to find unknowns that had chops. It was what, and that's what we did. We found uh, all these up and comers in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and brought them out here, but none of them had um, uh, very many credits under their names. Right. You know, and so it's been it's been a little bit of a challenge selling the movie since we've made it, even though it's a good movie and people like it. You know, it's difficult to talk a studio into distributing a movie that doesn't have any name actors mm-hmm. in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're a little bummed out about that, but we do like that audiences are really enjoying it and, and hopefully it'll have some kind of a cult following or, you know, later on. Well, and that's, uh, you know, you brought up, um, you brought up Napoleon Dynamite, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't anyone in Napoleon yeah, Dynamite. Yeah, and we thought we was... could get away with it because right. of Napoleon Dynamite, right. but what Napoleon Dynamite had was, it was a hit film at Sundance. Okay. So they were able to leverage that. We... We turned in a rough cut to Sundance, mm-hmm. a rough cut to South by Southwest. We didn't have it all squared away until it was too late. And so okay. we had good festival success, but none of the festivals that really that distributors can use to advertise the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, it is what it is, though, man. Like, I, I sound like really bummed out about it, but I'm actually really pumped. I, I feel, well, no. I, and I feel I like we got a good movie off. And, and it's this, fun. this is, I mean, this is something I, I, I definitely am very interested in knowing just, you know, mm-hmm. your own personal take on it because it is your first full length yeah. feature film. Um, you know, but you had you had the opportunity for it to debut here locally. Uh-huh. So, you know, so it, it had showings at Megaplex, but I also and know Cinemark. Mm-hmm. Oh, so at Cinemark yeah. too. Okay, that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. I mean, when you're getting with a national, yeah, you it was know, cool. Theater and we played chain, here for like a month. Cinemark. Yeah, and then we were down in Arizona for in a Arizona, month. right, mm-hmm. right. So you know, I, 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 me personally, again, I'm not, I'm not very interested in like watching a movie because of an A list, a list actor. Yeah. You know, yeah, just because of who's playing in it. Um, you know, and so a, a film like Tim Timmerman or even Napoleon mm-hmm. Dynamite, I'll watch it just because of its quality and what yeah. the story is about. And, you know, if it's, you know, can, can captivate my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that interest isn't based on who's acting. And so, but again, that's me personally. And so I think, I think, you know, anyone who's listening or going to listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, they should know that this is, it is a good movie. It is a good movie. Well, thanks, and, and it is, and it is, um, it's a movie that I think a lot of people, Especially those who are our age, mm-hmm. because it's a movie that takes place in the '90s, high yeah. school in the '90s, right? Um, that it will it will ring true to them, and yeah. you know, possibly their experience in high school, in high school and, you know, in the and '90s, being that age, and you and didn't have like a that. cell phone, you right. didn't have, you had right. to bum rides off of all your friends. Yes, and yes, exactly. Yeah, my I was going to tell you, and I, I need to tell you this so we don't forget to talk about it. Okay, so. Um, my favorite thing about that movie is all the assassins sequences. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. My, personally, I feel like that came off the best in that movie. Um, so that is something you, you guys actually, we did actually played that game. Okay, so explain the game just for a second. So, so the game it's called assassins and it had been happening at Orem high school for years, for decades, apparently. <laughs> and every year, just a group of people get together and they put some money into a pot and everybody gets the name of another person and a little pellet gun, a little toy pellet gun. Right, right. And 
you you can't shoot anyone on school campus, but you can shoot people in anywhere else. Like okay. you can go to their house, you can break in. So you is can this all of them? Is this is this underclassmen and upperclassmen, or is it yeah. just seniors only? It's a whole so school. It's a whole school. So we had yeah two three hundred people playing this game, <laughs> and it still happens to this day. Okay. To this day, and not just at Orem High School, but pretty much all the Utah high schools right. play this game. Right. And um, anyway, uh, there's so many funny stories that came as a result of that. And right. I actually did really well in the game. It, it, it came down to three people. So me, my friend Brad, and some hermit that nobody knew, you know, <laughs> some kid that just never went left his house. And the way it worked is that if, if like three people ended up surviving at the end of the game, they would just split the pot with everyone. Oh, okay. Like, you know, okay. evenly. Because right? there's, there's actually, there is money behind There's good this. money. You, there's you like guys... $1,000 or something. Well, maybe it was probably only like $500, but like Still, at that time, yeah, when you're 16, that's like $10,000 back in the <laughs> mid nineties. So, um, yeah. So I got, uh, we were down to three of us and I told my parents, I said, my my aunt and uncle had a condominium down at Shadowbrook, which is, I sh- which which is where we're at right now. <laughs> okay, which is where we're at right now. And I said, uh, Mom and Dad, I'm moving to Roberta and Gerard's condo for at least a week. Okay, don't tell anyone where I am. <laughs> and because uh, this is there's too much at stake, you know. And so I. I would make sure people wouldn't weren't following me home after school, and I'd go down, and I was I lived at Shadowbrook for a f- straight week, and I was bored out of my mind because <laughs> I'm a social person, so I have to go and hang out, and yeah. and I just could not handle it after three or four days. So I called my friend Toe up on the phone. I said, Toe, I'm gonna come visit you for ten minutes. Don't tell anyone I'm coming. And but then I'm rolling. So I go over there and I visit him for 10 minutes. We just hang out, <laughs> shoot the ball. And then I go to leave. And as I'm leaving, Brad is running up the front driveway and he shoots me and he's out of breath. And I said, what happened? And he said that he goes, just on a hunch, I knew you were here. And I sped 100 miles an hour through Orem. And then I came up here and shot you. And uh, Anyway, he won, and he bought a scooter with the the winnings that he won. Oh, that's awesome! And and then one of his friends crashed the scooter. So we never even got to <laughs> oh, ride it, you know. But anyway, <laughs> that what's so funny about it is later on, I found out that Toe's little sister is the one that called him. I guess he split the pot with her. He told her if she ever saw me to call him. Oh my gosh! And then he would split it. So. so I mean, yeah, I mean, so you guys, and this is part of the movie. This is kind of like mm-hmm. you know the the assassin game is. You see it from the very beginning, and it goes throughout the entire movie up yeah. until the very end. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a very integral part of the story yeah, itself. It's kind of a reoccurring, yeah, thing. It's um, similar to the movie uh, Better Off Dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. just like motif. It's yes. this thing that that keeps happening throughout the film. But um, you guys had to get in, and within the story itself, mm-hmm. they had to get very creative. You know, on, and strategic on how they, you know, went about, um, you know, carrying out the assassinations. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. and especially towards the end, and not mm-hmm. to give any spoilers away, yeah. just, you know, for those who haven't seen the movie, but yeah, um, I I think that's great. I think that is so awesome that you guys, yeah. 
you know, you were just taking that same inspiration from your own experiences yeah. in high school. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, so you were you were student body president. I was. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be, or they, people and school wanted you to be impeached. Mm-hmm. So same same as Tim yeah. Timmerman in the movie. I didn't have aspirations to go to Yale. I had aspirations to go to BYU. Okay. Okay. We just wanted to shy away from that, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yale is more tangible. It's like something you. I mean, it's knows. you know, for for those in Utah, mm-hmm. it's it's a very Utah movie. They're going to recognize a lot of yeah, not just locations, but just you know, obviously the things that are talked about from the University of Utah. Yeah, skiing, skiing, the ski scenes. But yeah. even even down to vernacular and vocabulary that you guys yeah, use. So, fetch, lots of fetches. <laughs> yeah. Fetches in there. But there is one word yeah. that I for me was never used in high school and I didn't learn about it until my wife, she taught me yeah. about this word, but it's slough. Slough. So, yes. So slough, yes. slough is a, is it, it is. It, and I think it's Utah slang. I think it's Utah. Because I've never heard it used outside of Utah for us in high school in Nevada. We mm-hmm. just say you're the playing hooky or you ditch. You just, yeah. you ditch class. But here slough. in Utah, they say you slough class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I just I think that is that's a very I think that's a very cool part of the movie. Yeah. To make it very Utah, mm-hmm. you know. But for a lot of people outside of Utah, they're not going to know these things. Like, yeah, I, I think that's something unique about the movie. So yeah, and we it's interesting with um, with storytelling. Um, people have the idea that the more broad you are with storytelling, the yeah. more people it will reach. Okay. It's actually just the opposite. The more specific you can get, the broader the reach is. Right. And the reason why is that the human experience, I'm getting philosophical. but No, let's human- hear it. I like it. The human experience is so similar no matter where you are mm-hmm. that if you show something specific, films, okay, if a film is good, it has three elements. And this Christian Busaith is one that taught me this. And okay. I agreed with it because I've been thinking about this a lot. The three elements is a film should have spectacle. Meaning? Okay? Meaning it's just visually interesting. Yeah, write this I, down. I am seriously writing write this down because I want to know. Okay, spectacle. For a movie to be good, you have to, be, you have to do all of these things well. Okay? One is spectacle. What I mean by that is something that's beautiful to look at. Okay, so, so just aesthetically, aesthetically yeah. pleasing, right? Yeah. So like um, watching fireworks go off, like a story is not being told, but it's interesting, right? Right. right. Anything in slow motion is interesting. Okay. It, okay, it adds an element of spectacle. This is like filmmaking 101. This is stuff you won't no, this learn. Is good. In, you this will is not good. learn this in film school. This is straight from me. Just okay. so you know. Okay, spectacles number one. Number one. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, or like big chase scenes, or big right. fight scenes, right. or explosions, whatever. Right. And I'm not saying every movie has to have these. It just helps, right? Mm-hmm. So, and again, it depends on what kind of movie you're doing. Like certain movies don't need spectacle. You know, the other thing is is that uh, so spectacle. Um, inspiration. Okay. Well, for the second one, put education. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk about this one first. Okay, let's hear it. So spectacle, education is, and that's where you, the specificity of like learning about a specific place or a specific job. Like, um, I'm trying to think, like the movie Shooter, right? It's about a guy who's an assassin. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's educational to learn what those guys do, right? And it's intriguing. And the more specific they are, the more interested you are in seeing it. Right, especially if it's something you don't know about, you're not familiar with. That's and it, right. And so, yeah, so for you, it is educational. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, it's a big thing. And then inspirational. And, and 
what I mean is like, does it, does it make you laugh? Does it make you cry? Does it make you, does it inspire you to be better? You know, like, I think honestly, if you have those three things and usually the inspirational comes from good story. So, so when you mean, are, are you meaning from you as the director and writer of the film being inspired for the no, movie the, or the audience. So the movie inspiring the audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. This is, this is all how the audience perceives the movie, right? right? Yeah. And, and pretty much, I mean, almost all art follows that pattern. Think yeah. about the songs that you like, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the spectacle of the song, how it makes you feel, what you learn yeah. listening to it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Just kind of, well, and, and how I, at least, you know, just from what you explained to me and in, in my viewing experience of Tim Timmerman, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, this goes with any movie, yeah. you know, and so just me speaking as a movie fan, mm-hmm. um, some movies, some movies really connect with you mm-hmm. and some don't, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make the movie a bad movie because it doesn't, you know, you're not, you don't feel, you know, inspired mm-hmm. or educated from the movie right. itself. Um, but Tim Timmerman is a movie that will connect with people because these are things that people have gone through that they live through yeah, themselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And so, um, and so, yeah, so like it was just, my viewing experience was very enjoyable. Good. Like it, it was, it's good. a, it's an easy movie to watch. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, a it, it's got a good flow to it mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it's just, it's a very rewatchable movie. Oh, you know? is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. You know, and and not 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 to compare it to mm-hmm. to Napoleon Dynamite because it's a very different kind of film from Napoleon yeah. Dynamite, but it, it's one of those films though that that like you 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 watch it once mm-hmm. you might you might forget about it you yeah. know but then you'll see it again you know in, like, oh, in your yeah. movie collection you go I want to watch that again yeah, yeah, and it, it's cool. it's a movie that will be able to. You know, it's it's going to age well, and so that, that, yeah. that that's my honest opinion well, of it. So that, I, no, I think you guys did really. a great job on yeah, the movie, thank you. and just uh, you know, it, it's it's a good story. Mm-hmm. The characters are good. Um, one of the things though, I did want to talk about sure. though. Um, so you the the main your main your main actor mm-hmm. Tim Timmerman, yeah, Eddie Perino. Eddie Perino. Mm-hmm. So he he has had previous acting experiences, and I saw that he's played in like some Disney Channel movies or mm-hmm. uh, shows and things like yeah. that. Um, so how, how did you guys find, find him? him? How did he end up winning that role? Yeah. I mean, we wanted to get good actors who had had some experience, you mm-hmm. know, so we, and we were floating the script out to some name actors. Just, there were specific name actors that we wanted to get. You okay. Know? So we hired a casting director in Los Angeles to bring people in. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the, he's one of the actors that they brought in. And he'd had some recurring roles on some, like you said, some Disney shows and things. Yeah, and yeah. so, and he just, he just completely dialed it for his, when he did the audition, he actually brought a tape recorder and he hit play on the tape recorder and he played, um, hail to the chief and he danced to it. Oh, okay. So we actually <laughs> wrote that into the movie based on his audition. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> so that's nice. straight from his audition. Yeah. It was just, we thought he was, he just really... Uh, exemplified the character. So were you, were you a part of the casting decisions then? Yes. Were you, okay. So very similar again to she's a Fox. Yeah. How? And I love casting the casting. Uh, I think honestly casting and editing are my two favorite things. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then writing this, the story. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the actual production process because uh-huh. it's just long and tedious. Yeah. But 
I really like seeing it all come together, you know? So, but so Eddie though, or, um, yeah, Eddie Perino, he, he again plays you. So just how, Mm -hmm. how, and she's a Fox, that was kind of you, you know, in your, Mm -hmm. in your fifth grade here. Yeah. And I wanted to do something close to me so that, so that it would resonate right. with people. Right. And I'd been thinking a lot about politics. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. No, like, this is good. Like, honestly, what inspired me is I, I was looking around at all these politicians that were just so swarmy. And I was like, <laughs> that was me in high school. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that just loved the limelight but weren't really focused on serving. Right. They weren't George Washingtons. They were, like, Anthony Weiners. Right. You know? Right. And I was like, I was an Anthony Weiner in high school. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe to in some aspects, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't taking of pictures of myself <laughs> naked or anything, but uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so, just very selfish. Yeah, and, or there, Rob Ford, that guy from uh, Toronto. Have you seen that guy? He was uh, he was the mayor of Toronto. Oh my, he's, he the, died. the bigger guy. Yeah, yes. he died. Yeah. It's, and it, yeah. it's tragic. But some of the videos of him on YouTube are yes. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just irresponsible and just but but funny and good with people. Like that's that's Tim Timmerman. Okay, so there's there's a line in the movie and it's just talking about the politics, you know, yeah. and what you experience as being the student body president. Even for Tim Timmerman, mm-hmm. there's a moment where the, um, he's kind of taking um, another character under his wing. Yeah, Jessup. And Jessup, that's mm-hmm. right. And Jessup wants to get into you know the student politics. body government and things like that. And he's asking Tim, you know, how do I do this? And, mm-hmm. and there's a line where Tim says, he's pointing out, and he calls over to one of the popular kids. Yeah, right? and they don't like him. And they don't like him. <laughs> and he's like, that's okay. Yeah. You know, how many how many of the kids here are actually popular? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, what about the rest? Was that was that something that, that you guys wrote into that story from specific... Uh, I guess so, experiences and things like that because I actually thought that was very profound. I thought that was it really actually, good. Call no, out. that's part of the education. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. if you, you learn some things. No, um, so my grades weren't that great in high school, and I really wanted to get into BYU. Yeah, and I was I really like legitimately loved people. I still do. I love people just in general, right? And so I thought, well. What's going to look really impressive? I heard from somebody that if you're student body president, you're automatically going to get into BYU. <laughs> so I was like, I am going to really try and do that. Yeah. And I thought, so I, I started when I was a freshman, like just introducing myself to one person a day that I didn't know. Just, you know, and it sounds selfish, but I thought, well, you know, it's a way for me to actually, you know, be good and like yeah. help people, but also yeah. get a vote, you yeah. know? And I just did that the whole, every, like, again, it sounds self-serving, but I did that the entire time I was in high school. And it, 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 I thought about it one day and I was like, you know what? If those people vote for me, I'll win. It doesn't matter how, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As long as I get 51% of the vote, I will win. And I was friends with all sorts of people popular well, right popular. right it, well and that's that i mean that's a big part of the story itself is that yeah you know maybe there's a few of the popular people that don't like tim timmerman but mm-hmm. he's loved by everyone yeah like everyone loves him yeah everyone like enjoys being his friend everyone likes that tim timmerman knows them too yeah you know and i was always intrigued with the different groups in school yeah. like i you know, I didn't want to be a burnout, but I wanted to hang out with them and right. and find out what made them tick, you know, yeah. and what, and I was just intrigued by them. I was very entertained by different groups of people. Um, 
drama kids, stoners, <laughs> geeks, motorheads. Yeah. I'm just trying, I'm trying to think of the Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller was kind of inspirational in making this movie too. Like we oh, wanted the spirit that. of that show, right. you know? Right. I mean, but that's a, that movie's brilliant. It's like yeah. g- genius level. So. so, well, so there's one more thing I do want to talk about though, regarding the Tim Timmerman movie is mm-hmm. you know, and, and as much as I liked uh, Eddie Perino's performance yeah. in there, the one that I was really impressed by was, um, Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea. Um, is it, is it Madoff? Madoff. Madoff. Mm-hmm. Madoff. Okay. Yeah. Where, where did you guys find her? Again, just through open casting or not open casting, through that a casting agency, um, Jennifer Ricciotti was our casting agent. She brought her in, and Chelsea didn't have a lot of experience. She had won an award for a movie she acted in, a USC movie. Okay, but she she's one of those actresses that doesn't have very many bad takes. Right, she's just really believable, and she we brought we really wanted to cast someone that was deaf. Okay, so now you, you, I think you're already answering my question that I yeah. wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. She she is deaf in real life? So no. She, okay, she's not. No. Okay. Yeah, hey. this is what I'm getting at is we really wanted to find someone who was Could deaf. Could have fooled me. And Could we reached out me. to all the deaf community and tried to find actors. Right. And, um, you know, when you're casting, we found some good deaf actors. They just didn't look right with Eddie. Yeah. They didn't look right with the whole. You want to see how they all look together. Right. 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 And so she, not only did she look right for the part, she talked exactly like someone who was deaf. And the reason why she had a, had a cousin who was deaf. Oh, so she had, she had she had knew, previous experience with it. She mm-hmm. had, she was already kind of, she, yeah, knew she how it knew sounded. the inflections yeah. and yes. she knew the, the cadence of someone who talked. That was I, deaf. I honestly, I, I tried finding out if she was deaf in real life. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, I was convinced. I was absolutely convinced. Mm-hmm. Like there, there wasn't anything about oh, her performance. The, really? Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Wow. No, I'm serious. And huh. so like, again, and maybe it's just my inexperience or my, <laughs> my yeah, interesting. My, uh, my amateur takes on movies, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I could have sworn that she was a. Deaf she was actress. actually deaf. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. So, but no, I, I was really impressed by her performance. I thought she did an incredible job. I was too. So. <laughs> Honestly, honest to goodness, like my philosophy is try to cast as well as you can and then and then you don't have to you don't have to worry about right. the performances. Right. And we were just super happy with the yeah. with the performances. These kids were all just so talented. Well, I I mean, I'm I'm giving my own personal ringing endorsement for anyone who's going to listen to this episode. I watch Tim Timmerman. If you find it on Thanks, VidAngel, man. watch it on VidAngel. Buy it if it comes out on DVD. Oh, but man. you said it's going to be available on so Amazon. So it'll be on Amazon in a couple of months. And okay, if they good. if they watch it on Amazon and then give it a review, even if it's not like five star review, it yeah. helps so much because okay. Amazon wants to see if there's like if people are interacting with the movie. So the more reviews we get, the more people that watch it and review it the more it gets to bigger audiences okay. and could hopefully have more of a following. So. Okay. Well, listeners, you heard it straight from the director himself. Yeah. Watch, watch it watch and write Tim about Timmerman it and review it. Yes. So, and be honest with your reviews. He's asking. It helps way more <laughs> so, than you realize. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, good. Yeah. Good. 
No, that's awesome. And, and yeah, and I'll be sure I'll, I'm, I'm going to have, you know, all the show notes and everything like that. So people awesome. can find out how to find Tim Timmerman that's and great. things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So this is the last thing that I want to sure. do is, and we can wrap up this interview. Yeah. Okay. So this is something that I do on every episode with every guest that I pull on onto mm-hmm. the podcast is I, I have a, a list of five questions and I call them our get to wow. know you questions. Okay. Right. So all this right. is just, this is just kind of to uh, get to know you and your sure. love of movies and things like yeah. that. So maybe not the director, Cameron Sawyer, but the movie fan, Cameron okay. Sawyer. Now it's time for some get to know you questions. Okay, all right, so, I love it. Love okay, it. so this is the first question, all right? Mm-hmm. What is your Desert Island movie? So not your favorite movie, but your movie that you could rewatch for the rest of your life. It's probably Back to the Future. Nice. You know, just because... Yeah. That movie has it all, you know. <laughs> it does. It really yeah, does. It's the list I gave you. And what's interesting about that movie, you know, and I read the script not too long ago. Um, not a lot happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like this massive, massive, like, epic movie, right? Yeah. And it really comes down to about six sequences. I mean, go and read that script and really break it down. Okay. He gets sent back into time. Right. And they, they have two goals. One is, to, <laughs> I'm like walking through it now. One is to keep his parents together, right? And one is to get back to the future. Marty's main goal is to get, keep his parents together. Doc's right. is to get him back to the future. Right. There's like three or four big sequences in that, you know, that follow those parameters. And then, and then there's that big sequence, you know, where the clock tower and the, right. the lightning and everything. Right. And then he's back. He's back to, you know, in time, right. back to the present, right. whatever. And, um, and then there's two endings. What's great about the movie is it has two endings. So there's one ending where getting him back in time and right. then Doc getting... I don't know, hopefully this isn't a spoiler. I hope no, everyone's gosh, seen this. Everybody, but yeah, Doc <laughs> getting is, shot and Marty thinking pre-game. he's dead. That's right. two endings, and it's very satisfying. But the thing is, is not much happens. It's only about six sequences the whole movie. No, well, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I love this movie. I absolutely love Back to the Future. But it feels big, and it's so well written, and it's right. so funny, and right. it's just it never gets old to yeah. me. No, it's and it. it's absolutely iconic. It's one of the. I mean, not just an '80s movie. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I think it just in terms of, you know, if people are put together, they're like top 100 mm-hmm. list. It's going to be it's on there. very, very high on, the, yeah. on that list. So, okay, great answer. Yeah, okay, yeah. so question number two is, um, oh, gosh, what is question number two? Uh-oh. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> okay, so uh, Did you write these down? Please oh tell gosh, me you wrote I've, these down. I have done over 30 episodes go, already. I guess you and, go listen to your old, <laughs> if you really have to. Um, okay. What is question number two? Um, oh, that's right. Okay. So, uh, what is your favorite movie theater snack when you like to go to the movies? Yeah. What, what is, okay. So, and you can say popcorn. Popcorn is a legitimate answer. No, but my I'll wife, give you a good one. My wife, she, she said that I need to tell my guests, like, think, think more than just popcorn outside of popcorn. Yeah. Um, I think because it is nostalgic for me, I like, um, Milk Duds and nice. Sprite. Yeah. Milk okay. Duds and Sprite, man. <laughs> That's a good combo. Milk it's a good combo. Yeah. You don't want to overdo it. And actually, Milk Duds with popcorn is out of this world. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you mixed those? Well, I think that's why Milk Duds are still even available <laughs> in the movie theaters. I know. I I almost feel like they stopped producing Milk Duds like 10 years ago. Oh, no. And, they're still there. Well, oh, and yeah, people, maybe. And the people are still buying them. But you can't tell if they're stale. They, they, I mean, the, the texture is stale. It's always been stale. Right. So right. I think that they've stopped making them, and we're just finishing them off. It's just, it's just dying, all the leftover inventory breed. from the movie theaters. Yes. Yeah, it's movie theater inventory. Okay, Milk Duds and Popcorn. Okay. Yeah. Question number three, mm-hmm. what was the first movie that made you cry? Oh, man. So if, and I give you an option. If you can't remember, because I, I know can. there may be a long... Okay. Listen, I've only okay, cried in four then. movies, dude. Really? Four movies. Okay, well, I want to hear all four then. So, um, Savannah Smiles, man. Oh, gosh. I don't, I don't know if I've seen so that So here's movie. the thing about Savannah Smiles. It was a low-budget kind of independent film. Okay. But it was shot in Utah. Oh, okay. In the late 70s, early 80s. And one of the big set pieces in the movie is Brattleville Falls. Oh, okay. Like, I think maybe the movie ends there. Like, this is what the movie's about. Yeah. This little girl named Savannah, she uh, runs away from home and gets into the car of some guys who just robbed a bank or something. And so, and they become friends with her and they can't, they can't like turn her in or something because they're afraid they're going to get caught. I can't remember what, it seems ridiculous even thinking about it right now, but it's a good movie. I remember, I mean, I remember it being a good movie back then. Is it a movie that's easily accessible? Like if people were to maybe find it on Amazon or something Um, like that? It seems like someone, no, my friend Willie has it if they want to borrow it from Willie. Yeah, yeah. Willie. <laughs> I know a guy Willie, named Willie, Willie in the, South Provo that has that has the copy. So, so is that is he introduced you to the movie? No, is that how you saw I watched it? the movie at the Sierra Theater when I was a kid, just right over here. In so Orem. the Sierra Theater used to do movies every Saturday. Okay, and it was one of the movies they showed, and I think because of the local element, it was shot here in Utah. Okay, but the Girl Scout. The Girl Scouts have named one of their cookies Savannah Smiles. From the movie? From the movie. Really? But anyway, I cried. The scene that I cried in is one of the, one of the guys that robbed banks. That he's, they're, they're sort of like tough bank robbers. Yeah. He's thinking back on his childhood and like being left behind. and like He was yeah. just sort of like an awkward child. Yeah. And they showed it. and oh, I lost it, man. Actually, you know what? No, that was not the first movie I cried in. But is that is this still one of your top four? Yes. Okay. Well, how first, how old were you with? Savannah I was Smiles? probably twelve or something. I don't okay. Know, Ten. Okay. Let's hear the, the first, first one. movie I cried in was Bambi. <laughs> because no. I would no, I swear it. No, I swear it. I was watching serious? it with my mom, and Bambi's mother gets killed. So hopefully you, that's you must not have been just a child. Then hopefully that's not a. Um, Everybody better know is that this. A this teaser? is like a 50, If you guys don't know movie. these movies, then get off this show right now. Um, no, but uh, she gets shot in the movie. Sorry, right, sorry right. to kill it for you. But um, I, I bawled my, my really? I could not. That is hold so it in. interesting. So one of the more common answers that that I've had on the podcast is mm-hmm. Lion King. That oh. lots of people say that as a child, Lion King made them cry. Hmm. You know, I so think I was a little older for that. I yeah, I would have probably affected me. But no, that's wasn't. really interesting. Okay, so okay, so that's two. You said there were four. I want to know. Yeah, all four. the other two are um, Simon Birch. Simon Birch. So Simon Birch. Man, is a, that's two it's a comedy drama about a kid. That's very accessible. That okay. Movie. Okay. About a kid in a wheelchair, like he's 
he's really small. He's like he's like undersized. Okay. And um, he's it's you know what it's it's made after is the movie uh, Prayer for Owen Meany. Okay. So it's a it's a based on that novel. Okay. And it's got religious elements to it. He's sort of Simon Birch is sort of um. He's sort of an irreverent Christ-like character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is very nice. It's nice. I'm just thinking about it right now, just in general. Okay, um, Simon Birch. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I he dies at the end of the movie. I hate to. <laughs> I'm I, seriously. This is like the worst movie show, dude. Like I've seriously killed. Yeah, like just forget you even. But I cried in that one. Yes, I should not tell people that because that really is a that was a spoiler. I'm sorry, and no one's seen that movie, so okay. I legitimately what, apologize for that one. Last one, last one. It's just ET. ET, really? Yeah, yeah. really. When they're okay. trying to separate the two, yeah, yeah. And he's ripping those cords off, yeah. and you know, and I thought ET had died. I think doesn't right. Anyway. Well, he, I, I, I guess you could probably say ET dies, but. But we all know he he comes back. He yeah, comes back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just spoiled it, man. We just spoiled like four <laughs> straight movies. Okay, but see, but a lot of these. I mean, gosh, if you have, if but there if you are listeners seen, on here that haven't seen Bambi, if you haven't seen ET, why Simon are you Burst even listening the to this podcast to right for. now? Yeah, <laughs> that's okay, and that's something that I can you know give yeah. a little spoiler warning there you through go. the production. Oh, you can editing, you can so. edit it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, question number four is: Do you have a favorite director or actor? Mm-hmm. Or both. Okay, favorite director. I'd have to say favorite director. I mean, it's probably a tie between Francois Truffaut. Okay, from mm-hmm. he's French New Wave, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the Coen Brothers. Really nice. Mm-hmm. There, you know, actually the Coen Brothers probably went out, and I'll tell you why. Because you know, directors tend to get put in boxes, like. Um, in fact, I had a, one of my thesis advisors was, um, Martha Coolidge who did, um, Valley Girl. Yeah. And she did, uh, Real Genius, which was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I watched that over and over. I watched, uh, another one I just, uh, that doesn't hold up by the way that I watched over and over was Lost Boys when I was a kid. (laughs) Oh, you don't think that holds up? It doesn't hold up. No. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh At least for gosh. me. At least for me. Yeah, I watched I love The Lost that movie Boys. Too. <laughs> um, have you seen uh, What We Do in the Shadows? I think I have, but it's been a while. Okay, so it's yeah. that's a mockumentary that's sort of like loosely based on oh, Lost yeah. Boys. Oh yeah, no, that's right. That no, that came out recently, right? It yeah, came out just a it's just really a few years funny. ago. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, where were what were we talking about? My uh, favorite director. Oh. Yeah. So oh, well, she Coen said. Brothers. So Martha Coolidge said that she, she all she wanted to do was direct um, an action movie. Okay. But she couldn't, or they wouldn't let her because she was a woman, which huh. is so freaking ridiculous, yeah. dude. Because yeah. some women have really pulled off great action movies. Yeah. Like, um, uh, who's the woman that did? Um, gosh, now the Hurt Locker. Uh, oh yeah, um, Bigelow, Catherine yeah, Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they like to put people in boxes. Yeah. Hollywood does. Mm-hmm. And the Coen brothers, man, they just, they do whatever they want yeah. at a low budget. And what I mean is like 40 to $60 million. Right. And they've, they've done the spectrum, man. They've done comedy. They've done drama. They've done action. Yeah. And, and they do it well. Yeah. Like no country for old men is one of the most effective 
thriller dramas I've ever seen has no music. Did you know that? So I, when I saw the movie for the first mm-hmm. time, I didn't realize that until someone pointed it out. Like I, I, I never noticed. I never noticed, and I think that speaks more to the dude to how excellent the movie is because I'm telling you right now, because a lot of movies, a lot of movies really depend on a score. Oh, you know. Oh, you you have. I mean, you have no idea until you've seen a rough cut of a movie without music. <laughs> you know, like it. Mu- music saves movies. Mm-hmm. It really does, mm-hmm. and. To, for them to pull something like that off, it's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and then to also make something like Oh Brother Where Art Thou that's is, like hilarious. That's a top 10 movie for and me. And has spectacle yes. and has and yes. is stylized. Yes. Like, I mean, you have to be really, really talented to pull yeah. that stuff off. So yeah. they're the best. I yeah. think they're the greatest, at least in our generation. Yeah. No, that's There's that's no an excellent, very excellent answer. No, and I, I gosh... I don't think I've seen a movie of theirs that I didn't like and mm-hmm. very memorable movies too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the last question. And All I right. know this might, this might be, I I guess just because you are, you are a film director and writer and things mm-hmm. like that. And you know, I, I'm not sure if, if you know, there's maybe it's maybe taboo to say this about a movie, but this mm-hmm. is the last question that I always ask my guests. Okay. If there is any one movie whose ending you could change or uh, just an ending of a movie yeah. that you would like to change. Mm-hmm. Which movie is it, and how would you oh. change it? So is that not taboo? No, no, is no, that not taboo? no. And you know what? It's the same year as No Country for Old Men. Same year, similar movie. Okay. Both were up for Academy Awards for Best Picture. Uh, there Which will be blood. It? Oh my gosh! Really? Okay. There will be blood. It's a brilliant movie. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, the very end. They were. The very end was way too heavy-handed for me. Like, it wasn't... How do I explain this? Like, I thought it was believable that the preacher came to his house yeah. asking for money. Yeah. That's believable, and that's yeah. fine. But for him to beat to beat him to death. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, first of... Well, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me back up. Um, that's... Okay. Him coming to the house asking for money. Right. And actually him beating him up would have been all right. I think I could live with that. It was the heavy handed message of um, religious, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Hypocrisy. Mm. Like he got the guy to deny his faith. Do you remember Mm -hmm. that before Mm -hmm. he killed him? Right. It didn't ring true to me that someone would deny their faith. Um, you know, for money or for like in that situation, it didn't ring right. true in that situation. Right. Like I'm sure people have denied their faith for money or for, yeah. but just in that moment, the way he got him to deny and beg for money yeah. and then, and then he killed him. I think he should have just killed him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think they needed to be heavy handed about it. I think we saw the hypocrisy in right. the religion. We saw if he would have just asked for money and then he went over and got the. Uh, oh shoot, shoot! I'm again, dude. You might want to edit no, this because I'm no, killing it for is, people. People, people know when we come to this question, spoilers are free game. <laughs> oh really? Okay, okay, okay. But really though, if he would have just asked for money, right? And if he would have just killed him, right? Great. Yeah. But don't have him deny his faith. Don't yeah. don't like it was just a little too much. I thought it was a little too heavy handed. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and I, I, what I find fascinating, though, is the moment I asked you this, you knew exactly. Like, you knew mm-hmm. exactly what, what you were going to answer. Yeah, and I'm it, trying to think if there's other movies. Because I, 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 asked you, I asked you if you wanted these questions beforehand. You said no. So, I mean. Oh, I saw one recently that I th- I'll tell you real quick. Which is it? Um, Machina, X, X, X Machina. Oh, yeah, X, Machina. X Machina. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alicia, Alicia Vikander. She's the, she's the mm-hmm. machine, the robot. Yeah. And- so, um, right at the end there, when she sort of dupes them and she right. goes into the elevator and it closes and right. the guy can't get out. Right. That had such an impact on me, such a profound impact on yeah. me. I didn't need to see her go get on a plane, go to a city. Do you know, they had like right. a few other beats. Right. After that, that. that could have been the scene to, to end it. Was it was right so there. haunting yes. and it was so, it was such a twist. And yeah. It was so effective yeah. that they should have just ended it. Right. Like you didn't need to know anything else. So I'm not sure why I think they, cause they set it up earlier on in the movie that she wanted to go. Yeah back to the city and yeah. and interact with people. Right. But we would have we can we can get there yeah, ourselves. Yeah, you can you just let let the imagination of the audience mm-hmm. do that work for yeah. you know, for the movie. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, well awesome, man. Yeah, man. Now, now that's this it. has that's been it. fun. Yeah. Well, those are good questions. Well, yeah. I, I thank you for coming. Thank I, you for I, having I've, me. I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh, good, so, good. No, this has been really fun. So I really yeah, appreciate I've enjoyed it coming too. On. Yeah, thanks. So, okay, so last thing though, if if our listeners, if they want to, you know, just follow you on social media mm-hmm. or if they're interested, you know, maybe, you know, just interact with you. I don't, I don't know if, you know, yeah. if people like, if you have a Twitter account or something like that, people like. Oh, man. You know. um, let's see. They can follow on Instagram. I'm Cameron Dean Sawyer. Okay. Uh, like, I'm not big on social media, man. I should be. <laughs> no, I think, okay. I think okay. uh, I've tweeted like four times in like six years. <laughs> And they're good tweets, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like one of them is um, one of them is something about LeBron James. <laughs> it was like, uh, oh, I, I think I tweeted LeBron James is undefeated in college. <laughs> stupid. It's just stupid. But anyway, I, I think it's Camera Cola. Okay. Camera Cola. Hey, maybe that's why I couldn't find. But you're you not on gonna Twitter get then. tweets, man. You're not gonna get tweets from me. So. Okay, but Instagram, right? Instagram, Perfect. Cameron Dean Sawyer. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's it. Thanks, man. Thanks, Andre. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, a big thank you to Cameron for joining me uh, on today's episode for the interview. It was such a pleasure to be able to talk to him and about his work in film. And uh, be sure to check out the show notes so you can find out how to watch She's a Fox and also find uh, Cameron's latest movie, Tim Timmerman, Hope of America. Again, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in, for downloading today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Good or, good or bad, we love the feedback. We love to hear your guys' comments. And uh, leaving us a rating really, really helps us out. Uh, so again, on behalf of Cameron Sawyer and myself, this is Andre with Backseat Directors signing out. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album, Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids, and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the BD Podcast. Sit back, relax.